You're listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at Ice and FireCon 2019. seen from the show yeah. to what we're going to see the next couple books because George just recently said not going to be all that different now different in the main strokes obviously there's a big difference between say John's resurrection in the show versus what we expect in the books but he'll be resurrected in both so we're at an exciting time to sort of look at what the show's given us and consider what we think might be coming in the winds of winter and besides well, a lot of people dying and I hear tell uh, from I believe it was Chloe said that uh, recently Martin actually said that a couple, he had, he had a, 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 the like, oh my God, I'm blanking on the word. He had, he had the book ready to go to a translator uh, like two or three years ago and uh, uh, Winds of Winter and like changed, like decided to change some things. But like, so apparently it's a lot closer to being finished than we may have expected. I remember that story. It's one of those, you never know, like, oh, the translator yeah. said something. Like, oh, man. No, I think, this, I think this was Martin confirming it. But this oh. is coming from Chloe, so. <laughs> yeah, shade. Shade awesome. on the panel. I know, she's not here. I can, I can. Uh, <laughs> as long as you have that report. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The optimist in me thinks the book will come out either in the fall or next year. I, I'm with you too. I'm pretty optimistic about it. I do feel like it's about wrapped up. Yep. <laughs> the thing that I, I saw him at a Worldcon last fall in San Jose, and everyone that was there noticed the like ebullient George. Like he was very feeling himself. He was like having fun. He had the the wise man hands perched on the belly at the bottom of the beer thing, and he was just eating it up. He did not look like a man struggling and chasing his ghost. Like he looked like. I'm going to drop this on y'all motherfuckers. And y'all <laughs> so I just reading the vibes, but I've had a good feeling since then. And I've had a lot of the people that have seen him in the last few months sort of pass along that thing. So I don't think we need to, uh, to uh, fear too, too much. I think it's coming. Well, um, I know that one of the things that uh, both John, John and I had a very similar number one that we want to see in Winds of Winter, um, yours being the fate of Stannis and the Battle of the Ice and mine being the, uh, the pink letter conclusions, like what's really going on up there. Um, and I was, I was like, oh, this might be too close. But honestly, like, I think that's kind of... If you're a fan of the North, uh, like wanting to know whether or not, or a fan of Stannis, really, Stannis the Manus, uh, you know, you want, wanting to know whether or not uh, that letter of Ramsey's was just complete fabrication or whether there's some truth to it and, uh, you know, what's going on in and just outside of Winterfell um, is, is definitely like a big, a big thing that, I, that I'm like excited for. Yes. Same here. Uh, I'm a big, I'm a big North fan, obviously Stark. Uh, I'm also a big Stannis fan too. Uh, uh, I love Stannis, man, if you will. Yeah, he's a badass. He's a very direct, focused per- person. I like that. Uh, but I want, I don't think that letter is real. I think it's a way to throw John off because I think John was gonna go with the, the Wildings to help Stannis, and I think Ramsay somehow maybe found that out and wrote a letter to John just faking him out because. I want to see this battle of the ice, uh, and if the show reflects the books in a way, I think Stannis is going to win and beat the Boltons and take Winterfell. Uh, maybe he gives Winterfell the fake Arya. 
Uh, maybe he gives it to John, I'm not sure. But I, I, it's interesting to see what happens after that. Does he go, does he convince the phrase to join him when he crosses the twins? And I want to see how far south he goes into, into King's Landing. I tend to agree that Stannis, is, his arc is not going to end probably uh, in the show where it does. And if he's going to be involved with either the burning of Shireen or coming along to appreciate what happened after it happened, which is a necessary thing for sure. Uh, like if, if Mel burns Shireen, if Mel and Cerise do it, Stannis isn't there. It's very much still Stannis' fault because he's the one that invited this religion into their house, right? And he's entertained the idea for a long time of burning children. So to me, Stannis' arc cannot end until he takes stock of that. He's either going to be involved in the action or the aftermath. And there at the wall, Stannis is at Winterfell. So if he dies at Winterfell, I don't see how any of that happens. So I really don't think Stannis is done. Yeah, I think, and uh, sorry, obviously it's a lot of it with the show is, uh, gosh, I cannot believe I'm backing the show here. A lot of it's time constraints, you know, and, and, but they did really, Stannis' end in the show was, was, I think, one of their, one of their missteps. It was very blunt and just kind of like, bang, 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 you know, he does this, he does this, he does this, he's dead, and, and I just don't, I don't imagine that Martin is going to, uh, going to have him, like, go that way. Um, but you know, ra rather like, like you said, his, his arc is not over yet. And I can't like, he's got to get back to the wall at some point, I, yes. I think so. And I too, I'm looking forward to that battle. I love all the, uh, night lamp stuff and the work that, uh, Radio Westeros and History of Westeros have done talking about how that battle is going to go down. Definitely looking forward to that one. It's fun to think about the next book's going to open with basically two crazy battles, the battle of fire and marine and the battle of ice in uh you know in winterfell and i think both of those were intended to be in a dance with dragons and simply just did not fit yeah so we're going to start off with a bang there's even more than that too we, we, we've got storm's end we've oh got, absolutely um, we've got yeah. westerosi agincourt is coming and we have euron in the sunset sea and going up into old town absolutely yeah that's ready to go off too it's gonna happen within like the first 250 pages it's, it's going to be some death, folks. <laughs> As if we haven't had enough of that. Well, we do need to narrow some of these characters down. I, yeah, that's yeah. true. That is true. Um, so anyway, we, we, we've talked about uh, the North and Sands. What was one of your, one of your things that you're uh, excited to well, see? Well, so in A Game of Thrones, there's this obscure uh, story. I'm just going to read it to you. It, it's, it's funny because most of the attention of this myth uh, is referring to the past. But at the end, there's a little prophecy about what's going to happen in the future. Most people haven't noticed, so. He told me the moon was an egg, Khaleesi, the Lysani girl said. Once there were two moons in the sky, but one wandered too close to the sun and cracked from the heat. A thousand thousand dragons, a thousand thousand dragons poured forth, drank the fire of the sun. That is why dragons breathe flame. One day, the other moon will kiss the sun too, and it will crack, and the dragons will return. Now, my Mythical Astronomy podcast started because I looked at this myth and realized that dragons coming from the moon are probably meteors, because meteors are mythicized as dragons all through mythology. It's very easy to see the likeness, and that's what would happen if a moon cracked or was a part of any sort of celestial catastrophe. You'd get some pieces of falling moon. They would look like dragons coming from the moon. So that's what this myth is talking about. And oh, by the way, We've got a long night sitting around. We're looking for a way to cause that. Well, meteors can cause a long night, especially if they're magical meteors such as they would be. So that's what I think this means. I think that the last long night was caused by a meteor impact. And I think that if 
We're going to get a new long night, which we are. It's coming. Uh, the show de-emphasizes this. There isn't, the sun isn't really hitting the others to sort of walk around, and it gets cloudy wherever they are. But the real long night, as you know, the sun was hidden for a generation. That's a, even if it was only five years or ten years, we're looking for something that clouds the sun on an ongoing basis. The long night was recognized around the world from Essos all the way to Westeros. So this is a global phenomenon. And I know it sounds, and I'm leading off with the big one here, so this is a little... Is there going to be a meteor event in the Winds of Winter? Yes. I think the Winds of Winter will climax with something, some fire falling from the sky. That is going to be the impetus for the destruction of the wall and causing the new darkness of the long night. We know the new long night is coming. It's got to come somehow. The sun doesn't just disappear on its own. And so this is the mechanism. It's going to be a spectacular mechanism, but essentially it's just going to be the trigger for the new long night. So... I could be wrong about that. However, if there is a damn meteor in the winds of winter, you heard it here first or on my live stream somewhere else if I've said it. So I've got, little, I've got more tame, character-driven predictions too, but that is my biggest prediction that I've made in all of my podcasting, and I've got my fingers crossed. Um, it's good. I still haven't decided when I get the new book if I'm going to word search for Comet or just like, read it and try to find it. But anyways, thank you for indulging me uh, with my personal delusions. But... <laughs> There you go. That's not the craziest thing. Any ever. comments Come on. on that, guys? What do you think? Uh, I like it. Does that sound like fun? Because they've been teasing it, and we still haven't got anything. So to end the book with the long night, and then book seven would be like the majority of the book will be the, that whole thing. Dealing with it, right? It goes. To, I've always had a theory, and maybe you're the perfect guy for this. That there was two moons once in Westeros, and yeah, maybe that it. the first moon crashed, and that's what caused the first long night. So that's I what I'm talking that about. Theory, You're so. singing my song, man. And maybe then we get the night. Maybe some night king talk in the winds of winter because we haven't had any night king yet. Do you want to get into my other prediction? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go. We can come back. Right into that, well, yeah. so uh, this is one I can actually kick back to you pretty quick. So Night King in the show is a corporeal, you know, head other, right? In the books, we don't have that. We just have the White Walkers. The most White Walkers we ever saw was in the prologue, and there's six of them. One of them steps forward to sword fight, but he's not. He's twins to the other ones. He's not. He doesn't have a special crown or a special beard or any big sickle or anything. It's just a bunch of faceless others, nameless twins. So, I do think there is, we are going to get a Knight's King, a leader of the others. Um, I don't know if it's technically the original Knight's King, quote-unquote. I like the idea that Knight's King, when he was defeated originally, went into the Weirwood Net. And so he's like this alien presence that's like in the astral dimension, yeah. kind of wanting to get out. It's an old fantasy trope of the sorcerer with the soul jar. Mm -hmm. You kill his body, but then he comes back. I, I think the show is showing this with that tree that he was transformed against. It's a Weirwood tree. It's where he's turned into Night King, surrounded by these spiral obelisks. I really feel like his power is tied to the Weirwoods in some way. So if we get a book version of that where he's like a presence inside of the Weirwood net that's looking for somebody to body snatch, like maybe yeah. John or Euron or Bran, <laughs> then we could see all of a sudden a physical incorporation of Night King. I don't love the idea of Stannis being that bot, that body that's snatched, but I feel like that's the that's the one that gets pushed a lot. Or maybe it's just the the things that I read and listen to is that everybody wants Stannis to be the Night King. I think so. he'll be. I think he'd make a good Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. Um, I favor either. I think they want John, and I think they might get Euron. Mm. That those are those are my guesses. And I'm also hoping the show gives us like 
some Night King Euron overlap somehow with that song. <laughs> well, maybe tonight. I don't know. Oh, well, maybe Stannis, tonight. Stannis fits the Night King because he's already cold as hell, right? Like, he's already a cold person as he is. Like, his personality is just, he has no personality. He's cold. So he'd be perfect from the Night King. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Lives at the night fort, you know, creates magical shadow babies, giving his seed and soul to a magical woman. That means a lot of parallels. Yes. Are you raising your hand back there? I was wondering if you think, uh, like, he could possibly break, create light, bring her to Stannis, and then Stannis could possibly bring I could see them thinking that that's what they're going to do. Um, I personally guarantee everyone in this room that we will not see a woman stabbed with a sword by our hero in order to save the day. That is essentially a big lie in the Azor Ahai myth that he's inviting us to challenge from day one. That the hero, what he has to do is to stab his wife with the sword. And oh, by the way, that accidentally yeah. broke the moon. But he's a good guy, I swear. <laughs> no. And Davos is the, is the truth teller there. As soon as Davos hears the story of Azor Ahai, he thinks of his wife, he's like, yeah, I couldn't do that, even if the fate of the world depended on it. That's the right answer. So... Yeah, I've always felt that that was, uh, like, I mean, it's a myth, you know, like an exaggeration that that he didn't, like, actually have to. Maybe he did, but he didn't have to. There's always, I feel like there's always supposed to be I mean, Bear blights his sword with his own blood. He doesn't have to kill any women to do it, so... That's right. And that's, it gets into the, an important theme of the book, self-sacrifice versus taking others' life to have power and stuff. Like, they're very opposite ideas. Um, Thank you. We, we kind of touched on it for like a half a second when we were talking about all the battles to come. But like one of the things I wanted to uh, make sure I said is that I'm pretty excited for more Dornish in uh, Winds of Winter. Mostly because like Watch the taste they out. were just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were just so ruined in the show. Like, uh, and I'm trying not to talk too much crap about the show because I've actually not like I've, I've actually been enjoying it recently. <laughs> But um, but yeah, they, they they just the Dorn stuff was was one thing that I think everybody agrees on. It was just not good in the show. Um, so I'm really excited that uh, we're gonna get more the, the Arion chapters that have come out or cha- chapter. I can't remember if it's one or two. two? It was two. A okay. leading question: How do you see the Arion Fagon uh, thing playing out? I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like. I, feel, I, I don't think anything is going to happen the way it's supposed to. She's not going to marry him or anything like that, you know, like despite their, their packs and everything, I think it's going to kind of be not quite the Quentin and Danny situation, but, um, you know, I, unfortunately, I don't think Dorn is ever going to get anything that they wanted, really. But, I agree with that. I, I actually thought maybe they would, the marriage would happen, but, but then Danny comes with fire and blood and, and the, Dorn, uh, the Martells have thrown themselves in with Fagon. So even if it's a successful marriage, like it's going to lead to downfall, yes. right? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tragedy. It's, it's a <laughs> I agree with you. I think I don't see marriage because I, uh, I don't get to that later. I think Aaron will align, Martels will align with Fagon and uh, go to attack King's Landing. Uh, but you mentioned the, uh, the, the Martels that are already in King's Landing. I think there's a plot. I think they're there to assassinate Cersei. And I think it'll be a, they'll fail. Oh yeah, I mean they're gonna try. I, I but she's not gonna. Cersei's not going to no. die by the Martell's hands. No. Uh, I, I do think that because um, when Danny sees the vision in the House of the Undying, she sees the Mummer's Dragon, uh, which is Fagon, mm-hmm. and he's in front of cheering crowds. So I think that Fagon will be successful and popular, um, and he's closely set up to well aligned with the Faith, uh, who are set up to oppose Danny because they don't like dragons. 
Um, so I think what we're going to see is Fagon take King's Landing. Probably Cersei flees to Casterly Rock, not dies yet. Uh, and then Fagon will essentially be the Mummer's Dragon set up for Danny to slay. And then you will have the Dornish tragedy because the Dornish were trying to ally with the Targaryens that had dragons. And instead they got, my name is Fagon. <laughs> and then it's going to end in probably a lot of fire and blood. And that's the chapter, right? With, with uh, um, uh, Doran uh, talking to, when she's finally revealing the plans to Ariane like 10 years late or whatever. He's like, we're going to get what our hearts desire, fire and blood. And it's yeah. like, yes, you are. <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, also, though, well, Fagon has... they're going to get fire blood. They're going to be on the wrong end of it, though. <laughs> Fagon might not have dragons, but he does have elephants. <laughs> so, <laughs> at least in the books. <laughs> yeah, question? Yeah, I like the idea of Cersei's Do you think they will defend King's Landing or abandon it? Well, my next thing is I want to see Fagon. Uh, I think I can either see a land battle with his army and the Lannisters, or he just goes right to King's Landing and, and, and sacks it. So I can see either way. I, we're going to get a battle. I just don't know if it will be a land battle and then a sack, or just a land ba- or just the sack of King's Landing. Yeah, and whether or not Cersei will... I, I mean, I, I, I don't really think... Cer- Cersei's not going to flee unless she absolutely has no other choice. And then it's still going to be... I, I think it would be somebody like dragging her out, like kicking and screaming. The, na- the royal nap time enforcers. I, I just thought of Rhaenyra as we were talking. Um, when she took King's Landing, the half-year queen, she only possessed it for a few months. Mm-hmm. She did not sit easy on the Iron Throne and ended up having to flee. Yeah. Uh, so that, that could be an echo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and Martin does that so often that, like, it's, it's, and so well that I wouldn't be surprised to see a sort of similar, yeah, situation. Ooh, I think I think that could be held off now that you mentioned. I could see that happening in Casterly Rock or somewhere else. I don't think Jamie gets back to King's Landing in time for all this stuff to go down. Uh, I feel like Oh, let's talk about Stoneheart's cave. Now that's yeah. this is something I want to see from Winds of Winter. What is going to happen in that cave? We have Jamie, Brienne, Oathkeeper, Stoneheart, and a bunch of like, you know, hobos basically <laughs> in the cave there. Uh, but uh uh, I, I like that word hobo, it's kind of funny. But, um, in any case, these are, these are desperate people is the point. The Brotherhood Without Banners has taken a dark turn. They are sore pressed. Uh, Brienne asks if mercy or justice can be found. And like, yeah, not in this, it's dark under here. When men have to hide in caves, don't look for mercy. Yeah. Point is, think about Brienne's dream, or Jamie's weirwood stump dream, rather. You guys probably all remember that. He lays his head on the weirwood stump. He finds himself in the depths of Casterly Rock. It's this watery dungeon place that doesn't really exist in Casterly Rock. And the highlight of it is that he has a flaming sword, and he's there with Brienne, who also has a flaming sword, and the ghosts of Rhaegar and the Kingsguard come out. But, guys, this is Jamie and Brienne with flaming swords in a cave. Right now we have Jamie and Brienne with Oathkeeper, which is a Valerian steel sword, in a cave with a lore person who probably needs to be put out of her misery. And she's running on fire magic. I think odds are not high, but we could see Oathkeeper catch fire. I don't expect Jamie or Brienne to die. Yeah, they will be leaving the cave. Ask. Stoneheart will probably die. Uh, I would love to see Oathkeeper take fire. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Stoneheart, Fiery Heart, like, I don't know. It yeah, I, I, and I also, like, I just, I just can't imagine, like, like, 
it's not time for again like with the sand thing it is not time for Jamie or Brienne Clearly. to die and and, it, and they aren't go- neither one of them is going to kill each other I can't imagine Brienne having it in her to kill no, Jamie never. and I I mean Jamie I don't think would ever kill her so like I can't even imagine them fighting nope not 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 with their all anyway I mean, like, like being I, like yeah <laughs> I, I see Jamie I agree with you about killing Lady Stoner, but I think Lady Stoner is gonna want to die, and I think she's gonna have a mission, one last mission for Jamie and Brienne. I like that. I don't That'd know be... what the mission is. Maybe rescue Sansa, find our something to do with their children. Maybe they have and... a Lord of Light battle, like you know, like well, let we the Lord of Light decide. And if somebody Brienne wins, then like okay, I guess we gotta go with it, and they don't want to kill him anymore or something. Yeah, something like that. But I think they're gonna go on a mission. Red Wedding 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Red Wedding 2.0. As if we need I like where this is going. This is, I'm already <laughs> happy about this. Yeah, I, I, and we can take a moment to talk about the best scene in the history of the HBO television show. Brienne being knighted. We all wept with joy. I mean, the acting. I hope we get something like this in the books. I have yeah. to think we are. It's the perfect culmination of her entire arc. And as we were, as I was watching this uh, with my wife on the couch, you know, she asked me, are they going to fuck? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't think so. This no. is headed towards a more emotional consummation. And half an hour later, we get the nighting scene. I'm like, it couldn't have been done any better. So, yeah. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, guys. no, that, that's one of those things where it's like you see it in the show. It's like, oh, I really, really need this to act like to happen. I need I need Martin to write this because like as good as it was in the show, you know that if Martin writes that scene, it's going to be a thousand yeah. times better. Yeah. Because what I love a lot about that scene, what I think I'm still looking forward to the fact that it's not really a spoiler necessarily, but I still would love the idea in the books is that it's such an emotional closure for the Duncan Egg stories because never get knighted, right? Like he, he very clear, he, he very yeah. clearly lies about that. In the, in, it's very poetic. And it would be very poetic for, you know, like the first woman knight of the Seven Kingdoms to be, you know, knight, uh, descendant of Dunk, knighted in front of witnesses. I think that was very importantly done in, in the show, like that they had the whole room, every walk of life, you know, behind Brienne. I love the way the scene unfolded with... Um, it wasn't after Brienne has done something new, spectacular thing in the Battle of Winterfell. They just stopped and considered her, what she'd already done, and were like, actually, you should be a knight. So, and I like how Tormund, the outsider, came in and was like, wait, what? That's dumb. Like, it just calls it out, and everyone's like, yeah, that is dumb. And Jamie's like, I actually could knight you right now. And I just love how there's nothing else going on. There's no other impetus other than they just start thinking about Brienne. And then they just make it right. And yeah. Well, and I mean, on top of that, Jamie, like, the, to bring the Dunk and Egg thing in, you know, Bram being a descendant of Dunk and Jamie is a descendant of Rowan Weber, so. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, we, I think we're going to get something like this in the books, guys. So I will look forward to that. Um, I, I mean, and speaking of, speaking of shippy, like slightly shippy stuff, I will just want to get this out of the way. One thing that I am excited for in Winds of Winter, or hoping it happens in Winds of Winter and that we don't have to wait till Dream of Spring is, uh, because I'm trash, San San reunion. <laughs> Same. And also when I say shippy, I don't actually want there to be anything physical happening between these two. I'm Let me make it very clear. most people understand the San San dynamic yeah. to sort of appreciate that. Yes. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, the idea of Sandor... Laying down his life to defend the Stark girls uh, makes a lot of sense. 
I think it's going to something like that. I, I wouldn't be upset if the Hound just survived as like a new the Starks, you know, like guard dog or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, the body, but like uh, John Cool Dark was to Queen Alisanne or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean, and and <clears throat> they don't have their wolves, so they need something. Yeah, that kind of works. <laughs> and actually, um, Sandor's symbolism is that of a hellhound, not just the hound. He's a hellhound. You go to hell, hound. Arya says when they're in the cave. He's got the burned face and all this stuff. So the direwolves are also hellhounds. That's what they are. There's, you know, Cerberus. The direwolf comes from the Cerberus mythology, which is a hellhound, a literal guardian of the underworld. The Starks are all about guarding the underworld with their crypts and their King of Winter mythology. So the Stark direwolf and the Sander hellhound archetype are cut from the same cloth. So if he became one of the, especially Sansa, who lost mm. her wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's in the eerie, like, dreaming about, is petting the old hound, thinking that her helper is the hound. Like, you got yeah. the hound on the mind, girl. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and, and I, a lot of that, I think, is just the, uh, that he was, he was kind of constantly there. He was constantly part of her path and her story when she was in King's Landing, and he was one of the very few things who wasn't just, con- I mean, even, even yeah. though he scared her and even though he wasn't nice to her, he was like one of the very few things that wasn't constantly just terrible and awful to her. So like in, in a lot of ways he protected her, even when he was being mean to her, he was being mean to her because he was trying to protect and her. And the so. first time he stood up for her, what did he do? He put his cloak on her, yeah. which is the marriage ceremony of Westeros. Oh, there's I mean, fix about that, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> I know, I know. I just had to point it out. I mean, any question? Yeah, what do you think about Sansa and the Veil? Sansa and the Veil? Oh, well, I mean, we did... Um, okay, uh, does anybody here not read the Winds of Winter chapters? Why don't you just have Yeah, probably. Very polite of you. Uh, yeah, that's the one. We'll, we'll that's like the, when we're done. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the one thing that I'm I'm like we are all spoilers, but I know that there are some people. Um, I'm Ashley, you know, from Podcast of Ice and Fire. Right? That that's she. She's like just not reading them, and that's fine. And I don't want to spoil that. Like they're not published yet, so I feel that that's like that's beyond the our spoiler spectrum. Um, yeah, I don't know, like because the the, the chapter. I wasn't in. I love Sansa so much. She's one of my top three characters. But like, I wasn't in love with the chapter that came out um, with her from Winds. Uh, I think it was just seeing her. Like, like it's kind of almost like the Arya stuff in last week's episode, where like you you see this person as like a little girl, and uh, you know you see her in the in this chapter just kind of just flirting and, and, and being, I mean, she's learned apparently so much from Littlefinger and I just didn't, uh, I wasn't in love with it, but I, I mean, I, she's very clearly playing this game, whether she's playing it for herself or whether she really is at this point still Littlefinger's pawn and when that's going to change, whether it will be, I mean, I, I think it'll happen in wins. I think that she, I think that she's already kind of evolving beyond him. Um, she's learned enough lessons and she's smart enough that, uh, I, I, I don't think she's going to play his game for much longer and, and she will have her own, uh, maybe already does have some of her own plans. So, Really interested in those winged knights and the politics mm. that are going to be evolved around that because we're going to have a bunch of new made power players after that. Uh, and those are going to be potential tools for Sansa to use to outsmart the master and cut the giant's head off. So. When I was... 
I can't remember where I heard this theory was where someone, I think it was Reddit, where someone was comparing, um, it, it, was, it was comparing Sansa in the Vale and, and this, this Wins chapter and all of her like suitors to one of the prequels maybe? That, was it Duncan Egg? Was it, um, was it? Parting, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the, the seven knights that fought, was it the seven knights that fought for, for Dunk? It was, it was Reddit, right? I'm pretty sure it was Reddit. It was like basically all of her suitors match the the match in some way or another the seven knights who fought on Dunk's side in in the first uh, Dunkin' Egg novella. Um, but yeah, so so I'm I'm just I'm really excited to see what happens with Sansa because I think that I think that she, and I I also don't know if that was her if that chapter is supposed to be her first chapter from Winds or if there will be several like before that because it, I feel like the Sansa that we got in that chapter is, is so different from when we last saw her that that we're definitely missing a chunk of her you know growth story yeah. There's, I think two things I kind of want to say about the Sansa stuff in the Vale is I always found it really curious with the whole Harry the Air setup. This isn't really like I said even about the Sansa chapter too much. Is that it, George sets up this really interesting kind of succession crisis in the Vale, where if Rob, you know, if, uh, Sweet Robin dies, there's all these kind of contingencies, and it lands on Harry the heir. And I always find it really interesting that, like, well, to me, the real interesting succession comes in if Harry the heir dies. Then what happens? Oh, he's definitely dead. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. The, the interesting <laughs> about what happened with Sweet Robin dies, and all this tough evil, and you know, Harry Harding becomes Harry Aaron, and you know, rules the Vale. Is what happens when he dies? It's all there's going to be all sorts of you know. Vale households who have, you know, married into the errands and things like that. And so it's I, probably going to be Littlefinger's move, like yeah. his one move too many. And I also think it's interesting, we, we brought up Duncan Egg, and I found the, di the different parallel with that. Like, this is, Littlefinger's quite clearly setting his tournament up as fixed. You know, like, he wants Harry to be one of his winged guardian things, or whatever they're called. And the only other tourney in, I think, the entire series that we kind of see being actively fixed is in the Mystery Night, and that does not go well. Like, that does not go according to plan for the people trying to fix the... It's very the true. Yeah. That's a very good parallel. Um, and, you know, you know, with Glenn, with Sir, uh, what is it, Glendon Ball? Glendon Ball. Up and, like, Fireball, has, boy. Yeah, throwing a giant wrench into all those plans. And, like, uh, in the sample chapter, I think it was, like, um, you know, Littlefinger has all these different knights lined up that he, like, you know, paying to lose or whatever, or just kind of trusts to be bad jousters. Um, but... We get, you know, like who knows, like some of these people, like like this, there's like sister men there, you know, who aren't jousters, but like I feel like those, the people like that are there's going to be surprises. There's going to be people that are actually, you know, there for a joust and trying to upset whatever. They're not aware of whatever plans Littlefinger has going on, so they're just going to upset them, and I think it's going to be chaos. Oh yeah, magic, exactly, exactly, yeah. That's another good parallel. I think Sans is going to marry Robin. I think she's gonna manipulate Robin into killing Littlefinger. Wow. Do you think Sweet Robin has that in him, though? But, but Sansa, <laughs> Sansa can, can manipulate Robin to do whatever. What would right? be? It wouldn't be Sweet Robin like physically attacking Littlefinger. Right, right, right. It would be executing, leading. Right? Uh, oh well, I guess he could well, just command it, couldn't yeah. he? I think she's going to make the bad man fly. Yo. Marry Robin. Like I think that's Peter's plan, and then. She, Sansa's gonna turn on Peter and have Robin execute Peter. With so it'll the be like door. the Winterfell scene, but yeah, the year kind of like the Winterfell scene. I'd love to throw that back at the Moon Door, man. <laughs> <laughs> Although I mean, they're they're already they're not in uh, the Eyrie anymore, and I, will they make it back there? Oh, like, good point. Certainly, no, yeah, right. no, they won't. he won't go through the Moon Door, but yeah, I. I 
I mean, there's definitely already you some... You more painful deaths for Pete and Littlefinger. I yeah. Give him a shagga. Let shagga do his work, huh? Goats are hungry, man. Goats are hungry. So... Oh, fair, duly noted, fair point. Do you guys have anything else? Or do you want to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What, 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 what else? Yeah, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I was going to say, you guys or the audience, I'm sure we have plenty of things well, we can chat about. Character. You guys are doing the right thing, by the way, by asking topical questions as yes. we go, so keep, keep that yeah. up. <laughs> so my favorite character is Jon Snow, uh, and I just want to know what I, I, Obviously, he's going to come back to life. Uh, I'm intrigued how. I don't think it'll be like in from the show. I think he's going to get set on fire. They're going to burn the body, and he's going to come back to life like that. And if... if What's the word I'm looking for? It'll make it more obvious that he's a Zora High Yeah, it's going to initiate, like, because salt and fire, whatever, salt and smoke, or, and I think that's the, the Zora High we're going to get. So they're going to burn John's body, and instead of burning, it's going to be like, oh, yeah. not quite dead. They're going to burn him, he's going to come back to life. I think he'll, just like in the show, I think he'll leave, uh, he'll leave the Night's Watch, and help, maybe he gets in time to help Stannis with the Wildings, and then maybe he takes, he, he goes into Winterfell. I like it, uh, and I've, I've written extensively about uh, what I expect from John. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in team with Radio Westeros on this, where basically John's spirit's going to go in the, in the wolf for a few days, he'll be resurrected somehow, there might be all kinds of craziness in between, but eventually uh, a merged wolf John spirit, because we know that they commingle uh, in second life. You know, when John's spirit is in the wolf body, after a few days it will start to merge with the wolf. And I think it's going to take a few days, maybe like three, to resurrect him. Uh, and when, when what we're going to get is basically the, the wolf spirit and the John spirit merged and back in John. And yeah. he'll be like the wolf man, uh, which is going to be pretty yeah. freaking awesome. Uh, I also think we'll get something about his parentage finally in Winds of Winter. Do you think it'll happen while he's in the coma dream, while he's dead, floating around? Finish uh, that crypt dream, maybe? Could be. I, I just think you've been teasing it for so long. We got it in the show. I think it's time in the books that some Howling Reader, someone bring, is going to bring it up. Boy, that's going to make John feel pretty guilty about that, huh? More guilt for John. That's awesome. More guilt for John. His perpetual frown face. (laughs) I mean, like, I. It's yes, that's that's absolutely possible. I'd be real sad though, like for both Shireen and even I'm not a huge Jon Snow fan, but I would be super like sad for him if that was how he got resurrected. Like I'd feel bad. <laughs> yeah, um, I think what's going to happen is that it's it's Ghost, the wolf body that's going to be burned. Yeah. Uh, but again, it's not totally sad because the wolf spirit will be alive in Jon. So it's really just the wolf body that's going to go. But Jon is Mithras. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Mithras mythology, John has heavy Mithras illusions. And Mithras, in order to reborn, to be reborn, has to slay the white bull, which, oh, by the way, is a friend of Mithras and even in some way a part of Mithras. And so it's some sort of commentary on, like, you know, your inner shadow or something like that. But essentially, Mithras slays the white bull, which is his companion animal, to be reborn. Mm. Uh, and the bull's blood is a life-giving sacrifice, so... I mean, I think that's what we're going to get with John. I always saw John as King Arthur. 
Uh, I mean, there's always there's so more. yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's always something more. Class, but. Uh, yeah. We all have an idea of where certain POVs are going in the story, but I'm very confused on the aerial hosts POV. Like, I, like how many chapters? Only two, maybe three. Death by Dark Star. Death by Dark Star. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Like, yeah, he's he's. So we can see what happens with Obara and High Hermitage, I think. Yes, and yes. So what I think, I have actually a very specific prediction that I've, I put together with Aziz, actually from Radio Westeros, and we were talking about House Dane, is I think that it makes a lot of sense for Darkstar to steal Dawn. Uh, and by, and this, because if Dawn's gonna come out to play, if Dawn is important to the story, if it's Lightbringer or something other than a museum piece, it needs to get out of Starfall. Which by the way, it seems like a lot of people don't realize, George has confirmed Dawn is in Starfall. It's not in the Winterfell Crypts. It's in Starfall, quote, waiting for a new sword of the morning to rise. So it's coming back into play. How's that going to happen? Well, Ned Dane is not old enough. He's only 13. Back when George was going to do the five-year gap, Ned Dane would have been 17. And he's been training with Beric, an Azor High person with a flaming sword. So if he emerged as a sword of the morning with Dawn, has a nice growth spurt, that would have made sense. However... That's different. We don't have a five-year gap now. And so what I think Martin did is he gave us Darkstar instead. And the reason why Ned Dane and Darkstar are actually interchangeable when they're completely opposite characters is because their only role would ever be to get Dawn out of Starfall and then die. And it's, it would happen totally different ways, but that's all that was going to happen. Like, Ned Dane is not an important enough character to wield Dawn against the others. He would serve as a way to get it north to John or somebody that can use it. And Darkstar can do the same thing. So what you're going to get... And I feel pretty confident in this. Darkstar is going to steal Dawn. Then he's going to join Fagon's Kingsguard. Because Fagon is fake Rhaegar. And Darkstar is fake Arthur. And if you're Fagon looking for legitimacy, there's no better sign of legitimacy than a Sword of the Morning Dane with Dawn at your side just like your dad had. So this, is, this has to happen. And if you want to find a way that the Fagon Ariane thing can go up in flames, well, let's put Darkstar in the middle of it, yeah. huh? Yeah, that's true. And Damon Sand. So, so this is where I think that is going. Darkstar is going to steal it, get it out. He'll be killed by somebody that, you know, I mean, Darkstar is ripe for killing. Uh, and eventually that sword will get into the hands of somebody more important and magical. So I think Brandon Finn kills him just like Arthur Yes. <laughs> I'm on board. I think Jon Snow will wield Sword of the Morning, call me a fanboy, because uh, I think there's something more to that thing where it says, like, the greatest, you, the, you have to, like, what is it called? I, I'm mind-blanking here. Like, you have to be, like, the Sword of the Morning. It's got to be worthy. Yeah, worthy. Yeah. I think it has something to do with, like, no one could just wield it. I think there's, like, magic involved, like, you know, because anyone who wields that is automatically the best swordsman of their era, so I think... Just grabbing it, and I don't think that works. I think you have to, like, the sword chooses the warrior, and I think John, you hear the term rise of, of Sword of the Morning, John's rising from the dead. He's a Zora High. If Don is like, like, if Sword of the Morning's light bringer, so it's. So check this out. Um, John doesn't even need to be a Dane to wield Dawn for two reasons. Well, one, he actually is a little bit Dane uh, because of. Uh, 
Makar and Diana Dane. But if they ever said it was had to be a Dane, it never. At least from my it's point it, of view, I mean, it's implied. It's implied, yeah. but it's never. It's said. always given to a knight of House Dane. That's what it's it never, says. But it, it it doesn't have to be a Dane. Like I think I don't. Well, that tradition that. is set to break, and yeah. and what is what I'm saying is it's it's going to break because technically they could be like, well, there's no Danes around. You, you got it, like one eighth Dane blood, and you look you look like a warrior. That could be used as a justification, but really, um, what I think is that, is that the sword of the morning, if it was Lightbringer, then it was used by the last hero, right? Yeah. Right? With me? Not doing tinfoil yet? So the last hero was probably a Stark, right? How else, right? Is there any chance the last hero is not a Stark? Raise your hand if you think he's not a Stark. Okay. So we have a Stark wielding Dawn during the Long Night. Okay, now, the Starks have a tradition of calling their swords ice. Now it's a black Valerian steel sword. The sword's only 400 years old, but the name is older still, dating back to the Age of Heroes, meaning thousands of years in the past. So the Starks, guys, have a very 8,000-year-old tradition of naming their swords ice. How did this start? Again... The last hero was probably a Stark and may have wielded Dawn a giant white sword. What would you call a giant white sword? You might call it ice, especially if it is unbreakable and can kill ice demons and it can withstand the cold. You're like, this is the coldest ice around. So guys, Dawn originally was the first ice of House Stark. The Danes are stewards, like the stewards of Gondor. And eventually what we will see is a return of ice to House Stark. And so John will be the sword of the morning and he'll be wielding the real ice. There's some tin for you. <laughs> what do you think who do you think is gonna end up with Longclaw in that case? Uh, I mean I agree that John Maybe Jorah Redemption Arc. Yeah. Kinda makes sense maybe. Or a worthy pass along to somebody else. Maybe it gets broken by White Walker freaky magic. I don't know. Yeah. Over there. Let's all take a guess. What do you guys think? And yes, I would think we'll get them. I have no idea what their house words are or would be. I, I'm too tired to think to come up with stuff. But yes, I, I think I think we'll get them. The ones that the ones that I'm not sure that we'll ever get are the phrase. But God, I hope so. I, I really. Saying, want... We're not really mourning people, actually. Laura Brown just got an email from Elio Garcia about the words of house thing, and George has written them and shared them. Um, he, he wasn't happy with them, but Elio told us that he does expect them to appear in Winterfinger. Whatever they are, they're going to be really on the nose. Like, we guard ice for the Starks. Or, <laughs> <laughs> the guardians of ice. You know? Or literally something with the word steward in it yeah. would, be, would be great. Yeah. I'm sorry? Right, and yeah. it, it could be something very like thematically on point. We bring the Don. That sounds like some sort of sports chant. Like. <laughs> Oh, did we? Oh, you came back in. Okay, sorry. We, I, I told you we were going to tell you when we were done with the Elaine spoilers. Okay. So thank, you, thank you so much. Yes, John. What marriages do you think we'll see in Maybe Danny and Fagon. Maybe the question is what weddings shall we see? Because yeah. if you think about it as a wedding, then you're like, oh, yes, lots of things can happen at a wedding. Well, I mean, we've already talked a little bit. I, I mean, I think it's. it's a, a, um, Fagon and then Ariane is, is a. I don't really think it'll happen, but I think it's it, it's still one of the you know, stronger. I think it'll be a betrothal. Yeah, almost. yeah. So yeah, will will there be a wedding? Uh, um, 
I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think Sansa is going to get married, honestly. I, I guess maybe that could just be me being hopeful because I just don't want her to be forced yeah. into another marriage. But John and Shireen. <laughs> John and Shireen. Uh, that's, that's some tinfoil. That's some tinfoil for you. Uh, I, if Shireen gets burned, it's not because of Stannis. It's uh, Stannis won't worry because why would he name Shireen his heir? Like, yeah. why would he send off Massey to say whether I die or not, still bring the cell swords make Shireen put Shireen on the throne uh, I think he needs the north and I think Mary, having John a uh, resurrected John marrying Shireen will get the north on his side Euron's ambition is the Iron Throne so I mean they're certainly really pushing Euron and Cersei in us, on us in the show so Yeah. And who? Justin Massey and Jane Poole. Oh, okay. That's not that's not crazy. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. yeah. Aziz approves. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We um we gotta wrap it up. Like in the next couple minutes, does anybody have any other questions? Real quick. Make it good. We, Last yeah. predictions. I was gonna say. I mean, we haven't talked about. We we just brought up Euron, but. You know, he's got a bunch of fun to do that in Old Town and uh, whatever. Right? You're right. It's a grave oversight. We have not talked well, about it. Yeah. I think my big idea with that, uh, the Huron battle, is he's probably going to pull, uh, going to get caught in a straight, but it's going to be a trap this time. Because, like, he got caught off Fair Isle in the Greyjoy Rebellion and smashed between two fleets. And I was kind of in a similar position, but I think he's baiting two fleets into Martin loves to do the echoes that work out differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how badly Old Town gets it. Like, is is Euron really going to be able to burn the Citadel, or you know, all like he's he's going there? So how how uh, how much of it is going to survive? I guess. If they didn't want the citadel to burn, they shouldn't have made the sigil a tower crowned by flame. But <laughs> so that kind of thing can work out as foreshadowing in Song of Ice and Fire. What I want to see about Euron is um, he has so much others and Night's King symbolism affixed to him. And I just want to see what that means. Is he really going to have an actual connection with the others? The White Walkers. Will Night King and the Weirwood Net use him as a physical avatar? Are we going to get something crazy like that? Or is he just a parallel figure? He's going to blow his horn. Unintended consequences will happen beyond his control. Like maybe he'll accidentally bring down the wall and thereby trigger the invasion of the others, but he's not actually like the king of the others. So I'm just wanting to see how that works out. There's symbolism there, but I always wonder how literal is the symbolism? Is it a parallel? Or is this actually going to converge and become a thing? But, I mean, Book Euron is... Pretty crazy. I mean, he's, he's trying to become a god. He's drinking that shade of the evening. He's he got the dragon horn. He mm. wants dragons. I mean, it's just, he's got his hands on a lot of actual, real magical power. So, that's my closing thought. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You got anything I'm else? All right. Thank you, guys.
Thank you for listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out my website, ageeksaga.com, or consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com backslash ageeksaga.